The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, we are getting ready for the third jewel of the Triple Crown, the Test of Champion. A mile and a half on Big Sandy, and they call it Big Sandy because that track's really sandy out there, and a lot of horses are not used to it. We've got uh, some great guests and uh, an amazing undercard. But before I get to tonight's program, I know they don't like dead air online, but we must take a moment of silence for the one and only Mac Rebenack, who is no longer with us. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Mac Rebenack. Scratching your head, thinking about what horse he trained, what horse he rode. He didn't. But, man, he made some wonderful music while the years he was here on Earth. He is you known to you most probably as Dr. John. I was in the right place, but it might have been the wrong time. Yeah, Dr. John uh, Mac Rebenack brought a lot of New Orleans to people that had never experienced uh, what was going down there. He brought to life the... Uh, the Indians, the French Creole, the Cajuns, um, you know, the the island, uh, the the, the um, not island, the uh, Indians that made the original parades uh, that everybody goes down for now. Uh, Iko Iko, and you know, talked about the different Indian tribes and kind of the warring that they would have for their music and for their war paint and things like that. Uh, and he brought that sound up north, you know, uh, Fats Domino and the likes. And uh, he exposed a lot of people to New Orleans culture over the years. And uh, he just passed away a little while ago. I got a call on my way into the studio here uh, from one of my best friends. Going to see this weekend. Uh, telling me that uh, Dr. John was no longer with us. So uh, if you don't know who he is, go on whatever music platform you like and pull him down because the guy was awesome. He had that that grizzled voice, and man, could he tickle the keys, played a marvelous uh, keyboard. One of his favorite uh, albums, and I've got it here, but I can't see the title right now it was mostly just acoustic music but god it was beautiful uh he was just something else played with a lot of different people at a lot of different places uh so dr john no longer with us let's get on to tonight's show got two great guests uh got uh, multiple award-winning writer and handicapper frank angst is going to be with us in the second segment frank is actually at belmont and frank won an eclipse award uh, for part of a feature that he did on belmont several years ago it was before we had a triple crown winner in the modern era or shall i say since affirmed uh and i guess the question was will there ever be one and since he won his award 
There hasn't been one. There's been two. So Frank's in New York. He's going to give us the uh, report from there. Uh, Hopefully it's going to be a good weather report. So uh, in addition to handicapping the Belmont and a race, I really like the Acorn that has one of my favorite horses, Saragenti Empress, the speedster, drew the rail. That's got to be good for her in New York, but you never know. We'll see who uh, our handicappers like. Uh, Frank is also going to zoom in on uh, the uh, mile and a quarter, grade one, million dollar Manhattan, and the run happy. You know it is the Met Mile Metropolitan Handicap. $1.2 on the line there. And who's shipping in for a piece of the pie, but none other than Bob Baffert, who brings in McKenzie. First out of the gate, though, King of the Cappers, Byron King is going to be with us. And in addition to the Belmont and the Acorn, we're going to ask him to focus on the Woody Stevens Stakes. That's a seven furlong affair, grade one, 400,000. And a grade two, 400000 he wanted us to take a look at the Woodford Reserve Brooklyn Invitational. So uh, get your pens handy and write down their picks. And also don't forget that you can check out our easy win forms because you're going to need them this week. And... Uh, it has, again, some good hits. I'll just give you four samples at different tracks around the country. Out west, the Golden Gate, 50 Cent Super 5, paid 1800 And down in Florida at Gulfstream, 1560 for a $1 Super Box. Let's not forget our friends in West Virginia. Charlestown, a $1 Super, paid 1300 And right west of here, Indiana Grand, a 50 Cent Pick 5, paid 1000 $785. Now, it is part of the Triple Crown Series, so whenever we get to the big races, you know uh, that uh, Winning Ponies always puts up a little cash. $150 in our contest. You can pretty much enter the contest. Go to winningponies.com for all the information. But uh, we go right up till an hour before post, so you got plenty of time to handicap. 150 cash for first. Then you get into the winning credits where you can buy the easy win forms. Uh, 100 for second, 75 for third, 50, 30, and 20 for fourth, fifth, and sixth. And seventh place will set you up with some of our swag either a baseball cap or a winning ponies t-shirt all right that's a look at how the show is going to lay out and a reminder go to winningponies.com for the easy win forms and to enter the free contest now uh, we are going to uh, look back at last week julian le paru won the pen mile and was named at foundation detox jockey of the week they had eight stakes worth $1.3 million at Penn National, their big night. But it was upset time for Julian. He, he gave up all of his mounts and stakes at Churchill to ride Moon Colony for trainer Mark Cassie and owner John Oxley. Paid off in more ways than one, twenty-one sixty for the win. Le Peru also finished second in the $200,000 Penn Oaks 
on Alisail, if I'm saying that right, and uh, beat the heavy post-time favorite, Regal Glory. Uh, so uh, he led all North American jacks this week in both stakes and total earnings. His two stakes placings netted him $330,000. Of course, he doesn't get all of that. The horses do, and he added four hundred and forty. 44,000 was total earnings for 2019. To date, he's earned 3.1 million, and this year alone, hey, I'll take 6% of that any day. His lifetime earnings now for the Frenchman over $159. A quick look at the Belmont. If you missed the draw, we are looking at a field of 10 going to post. Joave on the inside. Ever fast. A lot of people liking that horse after that huge second place rally in the Preakness Stakes. The Dale Romans trainee will have Louis Saez in the saddle for the first time. Then the Japanese invader, Master Fencer, last week I was talking about the stumble he took and uh, may have got a little hitch in his get-along. Well, he's come back and had some uh, nice little breezes and and another work, and uh, he looks like he's in good shape. Again, he rallied from 19th to finish 7th in the Derby, but was only beaten four lengths, and the aforementioned Julian Le Paru will be in the saddle. Then Irad Ortiz rides for Danny Gargan on tax, who put in a dismal performance in the Derby, finishing 15th. May not have liked that sloppy track. Before that, he won the grade three withers at Aqueduct and was second in the Wood Memorial to a horse that I like in here, Tacitus. Bourbon Moore, a lot of people liking him. Rider change and equipment change. Mike Smith's going to get the call on Bourbon War for trainer Mark Hennig. Blinkers coming off. They only tried the blinkers once. It was in the Preakness Stakes, and I guess that experiment just did not work. But certainly uh, having uh, Mike Smith up is not going to hurt their channels. Then you got the Todd Pletcher trainee spinoff. Another bad derby start is only start on a sloppy track. Finished 18th. Before that was a game second in the Louisiana Derby. And then there's Sir Winston. A lot of people touting this horse from the Cassie Barn. Joel Rosario up as he was for the Peter Pan, a race that has launched a lot of solid horses uh, in the Belmont Stakes. Uh, rallied to get up to finish second. Was only beaten a length and a quarter in the Peter Pan. Then the lightly raced intrepid heart will throw blinkers on for Todd Pletcher. He's a son of Tappet. Now Tappets have won three of the last five belmont stakes then of course war of will the the horse that had huge problems in the kentucky derby that won the preakness stakes tyler gaffleone will be up he is the tepid second favorite and breaking from the outside will be his biggest nemesis tacitus Another gray son of Tappet. This one trained by Billy Mott. Ended up finishing third in the Kentucky Derby where there was a lot of trouble. Was moved up uh, from fourth uh, after the disqualification of maximum security. So uh, that is a look at the Belmont Stakes. Again, we'll be reaching out to both handicappers to give us uh, their input there. And then uh, the the seventh is... uh, Race will be the Acorn, the purse, $700,000. Now, he'll be, she'll be turning back to a mile, and uh, so that shouldn't be a problem. She's a speed horse. She draws the rail and is coming out 
of a solid win in the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, so, uh, again, that is uh, the, the acorn. So, um, her main competition in here, it's really hard to tell, but the odds maker is making Garana. I think I used to take that stuff in college. Uh, Garana, Chad Brown trainee, coming off a maiden win at Keeneland in the slop, but won that day by 14 and three quarters lengths. Uh, that was a maiden special weight. Pretty impressive. A 93 buyer. Also getting some play from the odds maker, Victor Espinoza will be back on the Triple Crown scene. This time he's riding CC for Mike McCarthy. Uh, CC coming in from two efforts uh, at, uh, at Santa Anita. Both of those were game efforts towards the front. Broke maiden first time out by two and a quarter. And then just came up short a neck while the one to two favorite in its second outing, an optional claimer. But for that horse to be second in here is uh, is saying uh, awful tough. Uh, it kind of launches Serengeti Empress uh, way to the top uh, for me. Again, I, we're not going to be able to get to every race, but if you go up and pull down the card at, at Naira, I mean, it started today. There's graded stakes races tomorrow. Uh, Saturday is just going to be unbelievable. Uh, let's take a look at some of the races that we uh, uh, looked at last week. Uh, we went up to the Arlington Matron, a uh, grade three, $100,000 race for fillies and mares. And in this race, it was Coach Whip. This is a horse that we talked about last week that was has not been racing on the main track or an all-weather track. Strictly a turf horse, 14 lifetime starts, all of them on the grass, well, like the all-weather track, and pulled away by three and a half links, trained by Jack Sisterson and ridden by Tyler Bays. Coach Whip got the job done over Strawberry Tequila, who rallied from last to second. He got bet down to 12-1. to 1. And in the third spot was the five, Nalpali Spirit, who was sent off at about 8-1. to 1. Another horse that was an exclusive turf runner that really took a liking to the all-weather. All right. Uh, the favorite in there was Daddy's Boo, who led, then kind of drifted in the stretch and faded to fifth. Then we went out to S Santa Anita for the Santa Maria, and we didn't spend much time talking about this track because it was a slam dunk, and uh, but not by the horse you're thinking. It was La Force, the German bred, five to one. Upsetting one-to-five shot Paradise Wood, who bobbled at the start, was boxed in midway to the quarter pole, and then went four wide, but didn't get the job done. Remember, folks, there's no such thing as a sure thing. And then in the Connaught Cup at Woodbine, the winner was El Tormenta, who got the job done by a neck. This was a great stretch run. The horse running in second was M.A.U., the Irish bread, it was bumped at the start and then had to go four wide. Well, it looks like Byron King's not going to blow us off after all. So uh, we're going to be getting to him right after I tell you again. You already heard it. Moon Colony, Julian Le Paru won the Penn Mile. All right, I'll stop right there. We got Byron 
go to commercial. We'll be back. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, a man who needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyhow. He's a columnist for the Daily Racing Forum, a native of Louisville, Kentucky, no stranger to the audience at Winning Ponies, the king of the cappers, Byron King. How are you? I'm great. How are you, John? Almost as enthusiastic as you, Byron. That's all I could say. Sitting here. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what that is? That's just the increased blood pressure you're feeling from when you couldn't initially reach me. And now you're now you're settled down, you're feeling good, you know, you're just you're ready, man. You're ready. I am, man. It's like I, I, I like number one, my highlight of the week is this show, and number two, I'm going to my something if college reunion this weekend so that is going to be a blast with all my university. Your tenure dates. reunion. Wow. That's amazing, yeah. man. Yeah, I hope those Wild Wright brothers show up again, man. They're they're funny when you get those guys going. Got to get a couple drinks in them here in the area of Dayton, Ohio. Anyhow, it's been said that those guys get high, but it is one of the vehicles that they made many many years ago. So, anyhow, let's get to the test of the champion or the test of champions, whatever you want to say. I'd see it written two different ways. Uh, the Belmont Stakes presented by Naira Betts this year. $1.5 million on the line. Let's face it. I can't get by the two outside horses. And that is farthest outside the 10, Tacitus. And, of course, the horse uh, 
that uh, is the reason I haven't been to the bank for two weeks, luckily, is War of Will, winner of the Preakness Stakes at odds of 6-1 to one that I couldn't believe. And other than that, I think the race is for place. Byron King, weigh in on it. Am I off base, or is there not a whole lot of reason to go too much farther? I think you're spot on in that they, I mean, clearly, anyway, you slice it, these are two major players, right? So I selected Tacitus. I thought that this is a horse that uh, has a lovely pedigree for starters, but he's a, a dual grade two winner, was fourth across the wire in the Kentucky Derby, elevated the third on DQ, ran a very nice race, uh, was a length and a quarter in front of War Will that day. Of course, War Will had some you know issues leaving the second turn. Tacitus, meanwhile... He, he was uh, had a little bit trouble passing the stands for the first time. He was uh, kind of up on heels, and his jockey kind of had to steady him a little bit. And thereafter, he just had a so-so kind of trip. But uh, he's apparently training very, very well, and, and he is my choice. I certainly respect War of Will. I just thought that the Preakness, everything unfolded perfectly for him. He was able to stalk the pace sat on the rail the whole way, never really had to put on the brakes at any point. And when I encounter a horse that enjoys that smooth a trip, on principle, I play against him uh, next out. So I'm going to try, see if I'm successful. I don't know, because I do respect the horse, but I'm going to try to get uh, one of a couple long shots in underneath them. So um, I'm going to use Spinoff and Intrepid Heart, who are Todd Pletcher's uh, two representatives, and, and Pletcher has had an outstanding record in this race over the years. He's won it three times. He's been on the board many, many other times. And I think both of these horses need to step up their games, but they're in the right hands, and they have the right pedigrees, and they've shown enough talent to where it would not surprise me if, if they could uh, at least be an on-the-board presence. Well, I'm I'm right there with you, Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. I, you know, you read the different you know histories of the Preakness or you know elements that go into being a a, a Belmont winner rather, and the you know, horses that win the 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 Belmont Stakes often run in the Derby, pass the Preakness, and come back. Tacitus horses that come out of the Preakness, but. Uh, the fact that War Will had to run in the Derby and the Preakness, I think, is asking a lot to now ask him to quickly turn around and go a mile and a quarter. I like the sportsmanship of Mark Cassie. There's only one Belmont Stakes, and should he win the race, there should be an asterisk by the Kentucky Derby, or at least by the name of War Will, because who knows? He may have been a Triple Crown winner, but he's going to have to prove that to me on Saturday. I like Tacitus for a lot of reasons. Billy Mott, he's training lights out at Belmont Park. And breeding-wise, Son of Tappets, I believe, won three of the last five Belmont Stakes. A lot of reasons to like the Big Gray. As long as that race is, post position should mean nothing. I agree with you. All right. Let's go to some races. I asked you to pick a couple uh, underneath uh, the, the program. And we'll start with the uh, distance I love. Seven furlongs. You, you know, there's just horses that seems to be the perfect fit. They're not fast enough for six. They they don't seem to stretch out uh, too long enough to uh, 
go past a mile much farther. And uh, they just love seven furlongs. Now, the one we know loves seven furlongs is Mind Control, who's two for two uh, at the distance. And then uh, you've got... Uh, Horses that have won at it every time they've raced, Honest Mischief, uh, Barracho, and Hog Creek Hustle. I think those are all of our seven furlong winners. Byron King, tell me why you wanted to pick this race. Well, I have been awaiting this horse's return for a while, and that horse is Honest Mischief, one of the ones you mentioned having a win at seven furlongs. He broke his maiden second out at Keeneland in an ultra-fast race. It was 122 and change, 97 buyer speed figure that appears in the daily racing form. And what I like about it is Chad Brown has shown so much confidence in this horse. He's just given him two months off, and he is awaiting this grade one. You know, he's not even fooling around with the, an allowance race in between. This being a grade one and this already being a nicely bred horse by into mischief out of Honest Lady, who was like a multiple graded winner, this is a sire-making race, and I think he's got this horse on tilt, and I think he's um, he certainly gives up a lot of uh, experience, but I think he's a very, very talented horse, and I think he can stalk and pounce Honest Mischief, the number one. Yeah, he's been favored both trips to post, so uh, maybe the Barnes Bettner, they know something about the, that horse uh, uh, that we don't. Uh, six to one, uh, the morning line on that, that horse. Um, and uh, I can't argue with a single thing you said other than, you know, we don't know facing this graded competition, but Chad Brown knows his horses pretty well. God knows how many graded stakes races we've seen him win over the last couple of years. Uh, so that that's a, a good reason to like him. Let's go to the horse that the odds maker feels is the one to beat in here. And uh, that is Mind Control, uh, who's basically kind of a New York-based horse. Did run in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile not very well that day. Uh, but since then, came back, uh, won the Jerome Game in the Gotham just missed that day and then put an impressive performance in the Bay Shore last time out. It's two for two at seven furlongs. Is he the one that Honest Mischief has to beat? He's certainly one of them. Uh, I, you know, he's clearly a, a highly accomplished, skilled one-turn horse. He won the grade one hopeful last year. He's won a couple stakes this year. I just, when I look through his running lines, I don't, I'm not blown away by the quality of the horses immediately behind him. So, you know, for example, he beat much better last time out in the Bay Shore. Much better was fourth most recently in the in the Gold Fever. And I think it's just kind of an okay-ish kind of horse. Um, and then, you know, you dig a little deeper in his past performances and you see horses like our Brain Trust, Family Biz. And even when he won the Hopeful last year, uh, Mucho was second, and he hasn't really panned out. So part of me just kind of goes, I don't know. I, uh, judging him by the company that he's beaten, I wonder if he's quite as good as his record uh, would suggest he is. Hence, one of the reasons why I like Honest Mischief. But clearly, you know, this is a horse that's been first or second in six of seven starts, with the exception being the Breeders' Cup Juvenile that you mentioned earlier, in which he was seventh. 
All right, we're talking with Byron King from his uh, Lazy Boy chair in Louisville, Kentucky. That's his pick in the Woody Stevens inside Honest Mischief, 6-1. to one. Would love to get those odds when the gates open. Byron also said, I'll tell you what, let me take a shot at the Woodford Reserve Brooklyn Invitational, a legendary race, going a mile and a half, a distance a lot of horses never see in their life. Byron, you like this race? Who did you like? I like, again, I'm sticking, I'm going, I hope the rail's good because I like a couple rail horses on this card. Marconi, the number one in the Brooklyn. This is a horse that cost $2 million uh, in September of uh, 2016 at Keeneland. And before this year, you know, he'd made about uh, 80000 But he has since won two stakes. Uh, he won the skip away at a mile and three sixteenths and the flat out at Belmont at a mile and three-eighths, and it just seems like he has relished this added distance that he's received, and now he gets even more, a mile and a half. He was always cut out to be a good horse, and I think he's just now really realizing his potential. Throw in the fact that I think he might just be a smidge overlooked because he doesn't show any graded wins in his past performances, but I think when you look at his last couple races, the skip away in the flat out. He beat a really nice horse in Rocketry, uh, who was in those races and who is a graded quality horse. He won the, the marathon last year, the Breeders' Cup marathon. It's not an official Breeders' Cup race, but it's on the undercard that they run on Breeders' Cup Day. So he clearly has beaten a, a, a nice horse and it's well drawn. Todd Pletcher, he's by Tappet, mile and a half. It all adds up. All right. Well, listen, before I let you go, uh, there's one horse on the card that I think you can put a ring around, even though it's in a grade one $700,000 race. And that would be none other than Serengeti Empress. I think drawing the rail with her speed, dropping back in distance, she's going to be awful tough to catch. You know what is interesting, and I certainly am with you that I was delighted. I thought it was such a tremendous training job by Tom Amos in getting this horse to win the Kentucky Oaks. I mean, he really stuck his neck out um, after she had bled in the Fairgrounds Oaks. And not only did she not bleed, but to run the kind of race she did. What is interesting to me is the race was not exceptionally fast. Uh, it was a mile uh, and an eighth and 150. And she earned an 88 buyer, which is reasonable, but not off the charts great. But I guess what's most amazing to me, and I don't know, maybe you can recall, uh, John, but Jose Ortiz, who rode her, takes off to run a first out winner, Garana, for Chad Brown. And I know he rides a lot, obviously, for Chad Brown, but that was uh, pretty amazing to me. I can't remember the last Kentucky Oaks winner that somebody took off to ride a maiden winner. So that's um, kind of interesting, I thought. But I think you're you're spot on in that her post, I don't think, sometimes people hate drawing the fence, but in her case, she wants to lead anyway. So what did it really matter? You know, just send her away from there. Um, but certainly she is the, very much the one to beat. I do not have a super strong opinion on the race, though, compared to those ones that we mentioned earlier. 
All right. Well, Byron, thanks a whole lot for joining us. I, I wish you well. And uh, if uh, you go to the windows, I pray you have a good day at Belmont because, man, it is an entertaining program for sure. It is. And uh, I very much thank you for having me on, John. I love having you on, man. Stay well. I'll see you. See you later. Bye. All right. That was Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to a man with boots on the ground at Big Sandy. He's at Belmont Park, and he's Frank Anks from the Blood Horse. I'm John Engelhart with Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. Stay right there. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, this couldn't be more perfectly timed. Frank Angst from the Blood Horse, he's won uh, numerous awards, but uh, let's talk about his Eclipse Award uh, because uh, it's, uh, I don't know what, what you'd say, it was, it was written just before we hit the crest of Triple Crown winners. It was, it was named Waiting and Waiting for Crowning Glory, a generation repeatedly denied a Triple Crown winner looks to California Chrome. It was an in-depth examination of the difficulties in winning what we know is Thoroughbred Racing's greatest challenge, and uh, that is the Triple Crown. Well, obviously, since then, we've had 
not one Triple Crown winner. We've had two Triple Crown winners in Justify and American Pharaoh. So, Frank, they, they, they kind of put an uh, a, a expiration date on your Eclipse Award. Of course, California Chrome uh, got beat just at the wire, and uh, Steve Coburn famously said if they didn't change the rules on the Triple Crown, we would never see another Triple Crown winner. And uh, like all great sweeping statements in horse racing, that that was for, <laughs> that was that ended the next year. <laughs> so you know, if you ever have a bad handicapping day, think, think about that one. There's always worse. There'll never be another Triple Crown winner. (laughs) Nonetheless, uh, you know, to win the Eclipse Award is uh, and and just you know an amazing value until itself. And I know it was a team effort, but it it was penned by you. And you know, I I congratulate you. You know, I've been following your stuff since uh, you were at the Thoroughbred Times for I think a dozen years uh, before they closed their offices. And of course, you've been uh, a staff writer and your uh, title has changed uh, at at, uh, at the Blood Horse since. You know, everybody's doing more yeah. things. Uh, people are leaving and they're moving you up. So, uh, uh, Frank, uh, you're on call and you're actually in New York now, correct? Yeah, the, uh, I'm currently the online editor and American Horse Publications just recognize their site as the best one. Um, from there, uh, looking at different ho- different sites that uh, write about horses. So that was a nice honor. And yeah, I made the trip in on Tuesday afternoon to Belmont and been over there a couple mornings and uh, they were racing there today in the late afternoon and a uh, pretty big day tomorrow and a monster day on Saturday. Well, had not as monster as it had been, you know, we just wish that maximum security uh, put the derby behind them and maybe went to the Preakness. You know, to take on that challenge or perhaps show up at Belmont should he have won it. And forever in history, there'd be a little asterisk by his name, you know, potential Triple Crown winner or DQ'd from Triple Crown. But you'd still see his name as finishing first in all three. Now, because of that, you know, I, I always heard the quote that the biggest day in New York racing is the Preakness Stakes. <laughs> and the reason is, if the Derby winner goes in the Preakness and wins... Uh, you can't get a ticket to the Belmont Stakes. I know in past uh, they've had to limit the amount of people that they let into the Belmont. I'm guessing they backed off that this year. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point with the uh, the Preakness and uh, that that that's one of the reasons that they have decided to make Saturday such a massive card. Um, when they they want people obviously to commit to come to Belmont and even if there's not a triple crown on the line there's just some incredible races um you don't really see the foreign horses that you see at Breeders Cup but other than that I mean it's it's the top horses that are based in North America for sure well and uh as you said in the most recent Colin uh, looking at the varied paths to the Belmont do you want to expound upon that and then we'll draw our readers to go to the blood horse to read the whole list yeah, it's uh, lately the most successful route has been the, to run in the Derby and then skip the Preakness and then run in the Belmont. But obviously the two Triple Crown winners raced in all three. And uh, you, you even have uh, occasionally a, a horse that'll skip the Derby. Um, 
skip the first two and, and run in something like the Peter Pan and, and come back and, and run well in the Belmont. It was interesting what you said about maximum security. I, I would also put uh, War of Will in that category. If he was to win the Belmont on Saturday, which I think he has a good shot of doing, I think you can play the what-if game with him. I, I really think he was starting to make his run in the Derby when I, I, I feel like maximum security impaired him quite a bit. I, I thought it was the right call. And uh, Anyway, if he wins the Preakness in Belmont, I'm sure there will be a a little bit of what if uh, from that camp. Yeah, I don't know if you can put an asterisk by him in the American Racing Manual, but there will be in the minds of many people, and especially, hopefully, you know, I'm sure Cassie will give him a big break, and then we come back to the Midsummer Derby. I don't believe he's going down to the Haskell to uh, uh, compete no. with maximum security. I think Cassie's already said, hey, if, if he if he wants to meet me up here with this other mix of horses, because nobody can really call Saratoga home base, you know, they just don't race long enough, uh, but I believe his home base is is down there in New Jersey, and I, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Frank, but is that challenge still on the line, the $5 million challenge to go up yeah, against maximum as far, security? as far as I know, uh, <laughs> Gary put that out there. Uh, he feels strongly about his horse, and it's kind of the tradition of horse racing. My, I feel like my horse is better than your horse. I, I do feel a little bit like, uh, if that's how you feel, I think you maybe should have showed up for the Preakness of Belmont, um, that's where we have the top three-year-olds race. Uh, but, but you know, if the horse needed time off, he needed time off. Um, but, he, I, I mean, I guess it's a fun thing for sure. And, and if it brings together a bunch of good horses, we're all, always for that. Absolutely. And, and I, I do tell people that they need to go over to the Blood Horse and uh, and pull down your list of horses of the past 10 Belmont Stakes winners. It's very interesting to see uh, – uh, you know, where the horses came from and the fact that they didn't necessarily have to win their last outing. Uh, they just all came from different places, may have finished in different positions. I think uh, uh, before the Belmont Stakes for the past 10, uh, there was only three horses, uh, Justify, American Pharaoh, and Totalist that won the race previous to the Belmont. Yeah, and, and I, I suspect the mile and a half distance plays into that. Um it's just such a unique challenge um, it, when, when the horses get that rare opportunity to race at that distance, uh, they, they can show themselves to be very good at that distance. And, and unfortunately, they might not get another opportunity at it. For, for a lot of them, it's their first and only chance. So I think that's one of the unique things about the Belmont and makes it a fun race to watch, fun race to handicap for sure. Well, let's handicap it, Frank, is uh, I'm not going to change my mind in uh, 20 minutes. I just had uh, your friend Byron King uh, on with us here on Winning Ponies. And uh, I, I just think it's, it's a it's a one-two race from the two horses on the outside. Uh, War of Will, though I think uh, we'll find out what the uh, test of running in the Derby, Preakness, and Belmont takes out of a horse uh, versus Tacitus, who just seems to be relishing uh, Belmont Park. I love Billy Mott. I love Sons of Tappet, who have won three of the last five Belmont stakes. And uh, he comes into the race fresh, passed on the Preakness. Right. Uh, it comes in. Um, to be honest with you right now, if you gave me 100 bucks and put a gun to my head and said you got one horse to bet, it would be Tacitus. Chassidus is my top pick, too. Uh, just has a lot of things in his favor, and not, not to mention, I mean, 
the run, the running, obviously. I mean, he's already won a pair of grade twos, overcame some trouble to win the Wood Memorial. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, an impossible trip in the Derby, but he, but he definitely had to weave in and out a few times. Uh, early on, it was kind of difficult. He didn't quite get position and bump, some bumping. So, so I thought he ran a, a credible race there in the Derby. And then, and then just the breeding, you know, Tappet's had three recent winners of this race. He's shown himself as a sire to be reckoned with, and he has a couple other starters if you want to go deeper than, deeper than Tacitus and take a long shot. So like the fact that Close Hatch is uh, two of her five grade one wins are at Belmont Park on the main track. Uh, War, War of Will is, is right there. Um, I suspect on my pick fours, pick threes, what have you, I, I will probably just have those two, I would think. Um, Mark Cassie said a, an interesting thing this week. You know, he, he said it is it is tough, to obviously, to have three races in five weeks, but the great ones try to do it, and he's not ready to call Will a great one yet, but he thinks he's earned the opportunity to see if he, if he is one of those great ones. So he'll go out there and, and if, I mean, I won't be shocked if he delivers it again. He certainly has the right running style. Um, depending on what happens early, I could see him on the lead even if nobody else wants it. Uh, probably more likely that he's tracking somebody, but uh, he'll be right up there, which I always like in the Belmont. I don't think Tacitus will be too far back either. I think he has pretty good running style for this race too. So Tacitus would be my top pick uh but I, I agree with you. I think there's some separation between War of Will and Tacitus and the rest of the field. But only in this race. I love War of Will. I love Mark Cassie's attitude. As he said, I think it was in an interview with Jenny Reese, he says, look, there's only one Belmont. They only run it once. He's only eligible running it once. It's a historic race. We're going. And I love his yeah. uh, you know, sporting outlook. Of course, would he like more time between races? Hell yeah. You know that. But uh, by the way, just to t- uh, touch on it, people are looking for, uh, if they want to play a Tappet trifecta, uh, Bourbon War is by Tappet. And uh, Intrepid Heart is by Tappet. So a lot of people may be looking at their pedigree and saying, hey, no reason I can't be in the Belmont. They're both horses that have some talent. But without a doubt, I think Tacitus is is the one one to beat in here. Uh, So we will go with that. Thanks, Frank. And we also know that many people love to take these deep closers. It's like, wow, did you see the way so-and-so closed in the Peter Pan or closed in the Preakness? You know, those horses... You can kind of one hand in recent times, horses like that, that have pulled it off. So you want a horse like War Will and like Tacitus that don't necessarily have to have the lead, but want to be right there with it turning for home. Yeah. And since we're giving out two favorites, one one long, what I suspect will be a long shot, who's looked really good in the morning is Sir Winston. He is, he doesn't have the ideal running style for the Belmont. He is a closer. So he might be a good one to put underneath. Uh, maybe he picks up the pieces for second or third. Yeah, and again, he doesn't have to beat Tacitus or War Will, but he's definitely a horse you might want to keep on on your ticket. Frank, before we get to the other two horses, you, uh, other two races you want to talk about, um, any new buzz on Master Fencer? We know that uh, he stumbled and uh, the, the rider jumped off him uh, about 
oh, almost two weeks ago. Came back, looked like he was a little bit sore. They didn't run him the next day. They just walked him. Uh, but since then, I watched I watched a gallop yesterday, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't 100% impressed with it. I was the way he took off and right. did the first two furlongs. But after that, I, I thought that he showed a different stride and may have been even tired. Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. Um, I mean, things in his favor is apparently the the dirt tracks in Japan are similar to Belmont. They're kind of a sandy surface, and he should yes. like the distance. But I, I agree. I, I don't think he's looked the greatest in the mornings. Um, if people like him, I, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm probably not always the greatest at judging horses in the mornings, and that's largely because I think you need to see them all the time. But right. uh, I, I think your assessment's pretty accurate. Well, I don't see him all the time early. It's uh, They start working out past my bedtime. So, uh, <laughs> uh, But when I, when I do watch him, and I've been doing it for many, many years, I can see a horse who uh, starts to go a little bit different stride from the beginning to the end. Um, okay, yeah. Frank, uh, you, you showed some interest, I believe, in, uh, was it the... Met Mile or the Manhattan? I think yeah. I threw the Manhattan on you. Uh, you, you want to take yeah. a look at, at, at the what we're calling the Run Happy Metropolitan Handicap. It's legendary yeah. being known as the Met Mile. Uh, I mean, you know, all I got to say is McKenzie's going to be salty in there, but he's never run at Belmont. But man, he's on his toes right now. It's it's just an absolutely amazing field. It's I, I can't say enough good things about it. There's so many horses that are on various watch lists of mine, and they're all racing against each other. So what do you do with that? But I do I do have one that I have a higher opinion of any of them, and that is Matole. I've been a huge fan of this horse since I saw him at Oakland Park last year, and he just keeps coming. He got his grade one the last start. There is going to be a ton of early speed in here. I, I like that in this last race at seven furlongs, he was able to rate just a tiny bit in, into third. Um, and I guess if he is going to get tripped up, it'll either be the maybe too much early speed or, or maybe he doesn't like the mile. But I've got to stick with him. I've just seen uber talent from this horse. And, and I mean, he, he's beating good fields by open lengths time and again. Uh, he's won on the slop. I don't really think he won. I think initially maybe some people saw him at Pimlico or, or Oakland this year and was like, oh, he's a horse that likes the slop. But I don't think he, I think he does all right in the slop, but I, I actually think he's better on a fast track, which he figures to get on Saturday. Um, I can't, it, it, it's just one of those horses I have such a high opinion of. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back off when he, when he goes into a big time field like this. Well, uh, he's probably going to be surprised if he looks at the tote board and doesn't see himself as the favorite. Not only that, the odds-on favorite. I believe in eight of his nine last starts, he's been the odds-on favorite. And has disappointed very few of those starts. Uh, how about Thunder Snow, though? You want to talk about a head-scratcher. Uh, he's, he, he's a mysterious horse that's been a world traveler, uh, you know, but has uh, tried the mile distance twice, and uh, he's got a win and a second. He comes in off a nose victory in the Dubai World Cup. Boy, talk about a horse that's uh, had an interesting life and has met a lot of challenges. Thundersnow can't be thrown out for sure. Oh, I mean, uh, he's one of those horses I was talking about that I just have such a high opinion of. I was 
in Dubai this year to see that race. Just an amazing night, uh, huge night for Godolphin, the first two-time two-time Dubai World Cup winner in their colors. Um, I, I guess when push comes to shove, I kind of think this might be a prep race. He is. The plans are for him to stay over here and race at Belmont, Saratoga, and into the Breeders' Cup. So I suspect that's what this is, but boy, he's so talented uh, and so consistent, really. It won't surprise me at all if he's able to get right there. Quite a few of these horses raced in Dubai. Colfront ran a terrific race in the Godolphin Mile, and promises fulfilled. Uh, at the, I mean that the, the Dubai Golden Shaheen, which is this dirt sprint over there, was just a loaded race, which which he was very competitive in before finishing fourth. Uh, came right back and ran third in the uh, Churchill Downs, which which was won by Matoli. So we got uh, quite a few horses making the trip over from Dubai. Uh, I guess uh, if you are a pace player, to me, the horse that stands out, if you do think it, it's loaded and set up for a closer, I think for Inspire is, is where you need to be looking. Um, the Dwyer was run at the same one-turn mile at Belmont, and that, that's his best race to date. Uh, just drew off by nine lengths. Um, had a nice win at, to prep win in May and the run happy, and, and he, he's certainly dangerous, so you can go semi. Even Pavel is, ran a nice race in, in Dubai. Another horse that was in Dubai World Cup in his last start, um, and it was a difficult track to close on. And he made up some ground there. Uh, so at a big price, he's interesting. I know I'm now giving out the whole field. My pick <laughs> will be Matole, but I am trying to provide some analysis too. And that's why we bring you on. Well, Frank, it's two minutes to post till the end of the show. I asked you to take a look at the Manhattan. And this race, of sure. course, a million-dollar race, a grade one. Bricks and Mortar has been nothing but a winner throughout his career. Looks very, very dangerous in here. But that's not to say there aren't quite a few horses that could give him a run for his money. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to get past Bricks and Mortar here. He's just hasn't done anything wrong this year. And it's one on every type of surface and just looks prominent here. I have a high impression of Channel Maker. But I think it might, I, I think Bricks and Mortar has to be the top pick. If you're looking for some value, I think Raging Bull, I think things could set up for his closing kick here uh, pretty well. And uh, he, he ran a nice race in the Turf Classic last time. He was kind of inside quite a bit. And once he got out, he made a little bit of a run. So that, that could be a horse that, that's going in the right direction. Um, but no, I, I can't get past bricks and mortar. Well, I find it interesting for his uh, first time in three years of racing that Chad Brown's going to throw blinkers on him. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's a good call, John. Well, every now and then I find this a nut like a blind squirrel. So anyhow, Frank Anks, listen, I, I know you're you're suffering. Oh, I'm a- sorry, you were talking about Raging Bull. Okay, yeah, now I got you. Yeah, that that makes sense. Keep him maybe a little bit more clo- more focused early. I'm sorry, Chad Brown has so many horses. I took him. I took it to mean bricks and mortar. <laughs> so you threw him oh. there. No, no, I would not mess with anything from the minute he wakes up to the food that he eats every day. Well, uh, Frank that, Anks for the blood horse. That's the thought I had. It's like, why would you change anything with that horse? But then I saw what you what you meant. 
Yeah, Ray, Raging Bull. Well, Frank, thanks a million. Frank for, uh, with the Blood Horse. Go on over, read some of his columns. He's in New York. Uh, he's covering the Belmont. I want to thank Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. And I want to remind all of you guys that we've got uh, cold cash up for grabs in the Belmont Stakes. Go over to winningponies.com. It's free. It's easy. Make sure you get your pick in at least an hour before the Belmont Stakes. Well, thanks again to Byron and Frank. For Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Enjoy Belmont weekend. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.